we'd like to invite your attention this morning as we continue our series on Are You Battle Ready? We want to invite your attention to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings, and we're going to start off in chapter number 18. But we like to say we've continued this series. Last week we, we dealt we dealt with the heart of a champion. And when we left from here, God let us know that we had the winning hand. I don't know about y'all, but after the, the Lord allowed me to preach that message, all hell broke loose. And I kept telling myself, I've got the winning hand. <laughs> Amen. I kept reminding myself of what the Lord had said, that I had the winning hand. And then he, he reminded me that we were in battles and we were in a battle. And he, he took us on back and he said, well, Brenda, you remember now, uh, that was a, the great debate that the Lord shared about the great debate when with Job and God and Satan and how the enemy and how the enemy and God kind of uh, we're like a chess game and 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 God and Satan there is moving the pawn and we we're the one that they are moving and we had no knowledge of what's going on. But as long as we hang in there, at the end, we were able to receive even that much greater. And we were thankful and we're grateful for that because the Lord says, continue with, are you battle ready? Because we're all in a spiritual battle. Even though we were winning and sometimes we will lose. But he said, he wants to know, are we battle ready? And and I um, first thought and I asked the Lord, I said, God, where are you? Do you want me to go next? What is the next thing that I need to share with the body of Christ as well as with myself? And the first thing, and I started reading, and, and I really started reading in, in chapter number 19 in First King. And I, I got tickled because when I started reading, what came to my mind was earth, wind, and fire. And I said, well, Lord, if I do earth, wind, and fire, Somebody might jump ship, amen, because you know that's that rock group, earth, wind, and fire. So I said, well, Lord, do you really, really want me to do that? And so the Lord says, well, yeah, for a few days, that's where we stayed. We stayed with earth, wind, and fire. And then he takes me to 1 Kings chapter number 18, and then he shows me something else. He reveals something else to me, amen. And reading in 1 Kings chapter number 18 We want to begin reading at verse number 21. Father, bless your word, and we thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number 21 in 1 Kings chapter number 18, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. The first thing there is there's a challenge. Elijah gives the people of God a, a challenge on who are they going to serve. Now, it's the same thing with our nation. We have to make a decision who we are going to uh, serve. The Bible says that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And being that we have put God so far away in our nation, sometimes we wonder whether or not God is really over America. But we have to also remember some things, which we'll point out in the Scripture, that God always have a remnant. There's always some people of God that's there that's representing the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
But Elijah had to challenge the people because the people had lost sight of who they were supposed to serve. Now, the word Baal means uh, the, um, it's a guardian of good fortune, it's prosperity, and abundance. So they, was, they had turned from the true and the living God, and they began serving Baal, the idol god. And in their minds, they believed that he was a god of good fortune. But, but Elijah had to challenge them. And it's interesting to note that in verse 21, it says that when he made the challenge, that they did not say one word. That was not one word. Now, when we drop down to 1 Kings chapter number 18, verse number 25, and this is what it says in verse number 25. It says, And Elijah said unto the prophet of Baal, Choose ye one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And verse 26 says, And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of the Baal from morning even unto noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no what? No voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. So here it is. Elijah's telling them, so this is what you need to do. The God that answers by fire, that is the one that's going to be God. And so they set up this altar. And you got to understand now, the prophets of Baal, they had not only 450 prophets, but they also had 400 more prophets, which were prophets of the grove. So there was 850 prophets there. They were calling on their God. But the thing is, that's interesting, it says there in verse 26 that there was no voice. And I heard the Lord say to me, this is what God said to me, and I thought it was quite interesting. The Lord says, these idols that we have, they don't have a voice. He says, even Satan himself, he doesn't have a voice. And I said, Lord, now, how are the people of God deceived if Satan does not have a voice? And by the way, the title of the message is The Voice, The Voice. And this is what God says to me. God says to me, he said, now, the only voice that Satan has is your voice. The only voice that Satan has is your voice. See, when, when, if we got to a point where when we begin to listen to others, most times we don't hear or accept what they say. But we will accept our own voice. So what Satan does, he uses our own voice to deceive us. He uses our own voice to deceive us. And I said, okay, God. I said, now help me, help me a little bit further. I said, because I know that this deception is there and there's an influence by Satan. Satan's influence is by using our own voice. Now, someone else can tell me something and I may not hear it. But if that same thing comes again in my head, <laughs> you know, in my head, and I'm, I'm hearing my own voice, I am subject to believe my own voice, even though there's a spirit that's behind that voice. And that spirit is Satan, even though he's leading us down the wrong direction. And sometimes he does do that. He, he allows us to go down the wrong path. Now, let's go to um, chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. And we're going to look at understanding, knowing that 
Satan is a spirit. And the Lord had revealed to us that, you know, when the, when, when the demon has gone out of a man and, and he's searching and he's going through dry ground, he's got to find a body to live in. So when, when you're swept in garnish and you have not replenished yourself with the things of God and the word of God, what happens is he decides he's coming back to that house. He claims your house as his house. So therefore, he, he knows your routine. Now, in 1 Kings chapter number 19, beginning at verse number 1, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. See, on the battle of Mount Carmel, when they begin to have that battle, the, the, the enemy, he, he, he allowed his false prophets, he allowed them to be able to call on him, yet he didn't answer. And what Elijah did was he began to tear down that altar, and he tells them that you place all the sacrifices there, and once you place, place those sacrifices there, what you're going to do, he said, I want you to drench it with water. I mean, he poured it with water. And, and all of a sudden, he said, the God that answers by fire, that's the one that is the God. And so God, he comes and he sends it. He releases the fire from heaven, and he takes and he burns up all the sacrifice. Then the instructions were, Elijah, what he did, he takes all the prophets down, and they kill 850 prophets. That was his greatest victory. Think about if you had a victory this week. Or whenever you had a great victory in your life. you got to remember something. When you have your greatest victory, you can expect Satan to show up. When you have your greatest victory, you can expect Satan to show up. He's a bully. I mean, he speaks. <laughs> he, he blows himself up. Now, Ahab. Now, the word Ahab there, the word Ahab means... Uh, it's the ruling, the ruling uh, will of man. It's the ruling will of man. But also now there's that word Jezebel. We're going to take it from the natural sense because most of the time when we look at the word Jezebel, we think female. We think, we think it's a woman. Jezebel is a spirit. It's a spirit. Jezebel is a spirit. Now, one of the things about Jezebel is this. Jezebel thinks that spirit thinks it is untouchable. It is an unbridled passion and desire. That's what the spirit of Jezebel is. But then Jezebel has some characteristics. And I want to read you the characteristics of Jezebel, and then you'll understand what we're talking about. One thing about this Jezebel spirit is it is pure evil. It has reached the maximum of pride. It is pride to this nth degree. <laughs> And then it's, it's highly lustful and very seductive. That Jezebel spirit is also self-centered. Have you seen a person that just totally all into themselves? They just self-centered. They are operating in that Jezebel spirit. They're always, they're always seeking to be in the limelight. They always want to be the center of attention. That's that Jezebel spirit. Always wants to be the center, uh, the center of attention. It is very critical. That spirit is very critical. It's very critical of, of you. It's very critical of us. It's very critical of, of the children of God. Not only that, but it is uh, a spirit of combating. It is, it's, it's confrontational. 
All right. It's, it's that Jezebel spirit is very manipulative. It can con you out of anything if you're not on your, your P's and Q's with God. That, that's how that Jezebel spirit is. And it also has false prophecies. The, the Jezebel spirit also have dreams and visions. That's that Jezebel spirit. We will see that when we do our last, last scripture. But you have to understand about that Jezebel spirit. Now, she hears what has happened. She hears what Elijah has done. Now, watch now verse, verse number two. Verse number two, it says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Jezebel, that Jezebel spirit will send you a message. It will send you a message. It was upset because what Elijah had done. Whenever we have our greatest victory, that Jezebel spirit, it gets real, real upset. The winning hand, the Lord says last week that we have the winning hand and that we have a heart of champions. Well, see, that Jezebel spirit did not want us to receive that word from God. So what happened, Jezebel spirit sends us a message. Now, when it sends a message, now, this is interesting. It's, she's saying, I'm going to make your life like one of the lives of the people you destroyed. So if you did anything to Satan last week, if you, if you overpowered in any area of your life and you became a winner, it really upset that spirit. It got angry. It literally got angry. But watch what happens here now. He's, verse number 3. Verse 3 in 1 Kings chapter 19 says, this is interesting. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. I didn't quite get that. He, he had just won a major victory. But he hears a message from Jezebel. He hears a message, he hears a, a message from that spirit. I'm like, wait a minute, Lord. Why, why did it put him on a flight? He just heard the message. He heard the voice. Now, back in those days, when he talks about kings and queens and them sending messengers, they literally send a message. The messenger does not vocally begin to share that word or that message. What happens, they send a written message. He reads the message. He really, literally, he hears the message in his own voice. That's where the deception came. He forgot all about his, his, his victory. He totally forgot. Sometimes we too forget about the victories that God has given us, especially when the adversary comes up against us. We will, we will flat forget. We will lay down. We will be just like Elijah. We will be exactly like him, not, not celebrating or standing firm against the adversary, but we will sit down and have a pity party. Anybody had some pity parties lately? Well, I did. I did. I did this week. Amen. I had me a pity party. I, after God was saying, listen, are you battle ready? And he continued with the series. I'm like, okay, God, I'm armed. I'm ready. I'm ready for the adversary. I got the winning hand. I got the heart of a champion. And wham, there he came. And what happened? Boom. 
Brenda took a seat. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Brenda took a seat. Amen. But 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 let's go on. Let's go on. And watch this. Now she 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 says to him, Now I'm gonna take your life. Verse four now, verse four, and we're in first Kings chapter nineteen, verse four says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down on a Jupiter tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father. He goes in a place of depression. Anybody been in a place of depression <laughs> in their life? Have you been in a place of depression? After his greatest victory, his greatest battle, he hears a voice. He hears a voice. It's Satan speaking through his own voice. He hears his voice, and all of a sudden, he's on the run again. And he goes, the Bible says, up on a Jupiter tree. Now, this particular tree, Juniper, this particular tree is, 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 is a shaded place. And he sits there up under this tree in a place of depression, having a pity party. Has anybody had pity parties before? I, I see some people laughing. So, yeah, they didn't have some pity. So they understand where I'm coming from. You know, we've had some pity parties. Amen. And even though we just rallied about our God, and just soon as the enemy came us up against us, we forgot about the power of the God. So he sits there, and he's, he's having a pity party, and, and he's, he's depressed. See, sometimes when you have your greatest battle, if you are not careful, you will find yourself in a place of depression. That can happen. Now, it can happen. Now, the Bible continues to say in verse number 5, it says, And as he lay under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. No matter how low you get, no matter how far down you get, God can always speak to you. He's, he's there, and he begins to speak healing to Elijah. He, he begins to, to tell him, he said, now this is what I want you to do. He sends this angel. He sends someone to, to comfort. Sometimes God will send people to send you a comforting word, especially when you're going through. God will send people, and sometimes it's, it's out of the most unusual mouth. He will send people to give you a comforting word. Here with Elijah, he sends an angel. Now, he, the first thing the angel tells him to do is get up. So he's saying, if you're in a pity party, if you're worried about what you're going through, he said, arise. He said, get up from that place. But he gives him an instruction. He tells him to arise and eat. Why did he tell him to arise and eat? And the Lord said to me uh, uh, last night, he said he was spiritually depleted. After every battle, if we do not nourish ourselves in the Word of God through meditation and prayer and studying the Word of God, God says we can become spiritually depleted. And when we become spiritually depleted, that's when Satan comes with that spirit of depression. You know, you're not good enough. Look at you. And he, be he begins to get you to compare yourself with others. When God has told us, don't compare ourselves among one another. God said, don't do that. But we can become this, uh, spiritually depleted and end up in a spirit of depression. So God says, what, you, what has to happen in the battle, I hear your Holy Spirit, which means we're going to have some more battles. Oh, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. 
You know, because see, it's dangerous when you stand behind this piece of wood here and you preach the gospel and you begin to share what the Lord says. You, you, you're the target for the enemy. You're the target. You're the target. When you name the name of Jesus Christ, you are the target for the enemy. So therefore, you've got to replenish yourself. What he was saying to Elisha, he said, you need to replenish yourself. After every battle, he said, don't forget to eat the word of God. And so many people have laid aside the word of God and and not even consuming. That's your diet. The word of God is your diet. It's a meal that you have to have every day. And sometimes we wonder why we get so, um, what's the word, why the enemy keeps us on the run. It might be because of what we're eating. And it has nothing to do with the natural, but it has everything to do with the spiritual. We have to have a spiritual diet in order to be able to come up and win against Satan. Now, the Bible says here, he says to him now, uh, in verse number 6, he says, And he looked and he said, Behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and then he laid him down again. Even though he, took, he takes in that spiritual diet, he's not quite yet ready to get back up for the battle. The Bible says he lays back down. Even though he's been instructed to rise up and eat, you've got to eat the, the food of God. You've got to eat the, the word of God. That's, that's your spiritual diet. Now, watch what God does now because he has to replenish himself. Oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. You have to replenish yourself, the Lord says, because there's another battle coming. There is another battle coming. So you've got to replenish yourself, you know, in order to be able to face Satan once again. Now, in verse number 7, it says, And the angel of the Lord came again. We don't always hear God the first time. And the angel of the Lord came again. Then he said, the second time. A lot of times God speaks and we don't hear. We don't listen. So he has to come back again. And he says, he gives him the same instruction. He says, arise and eat. Because what's too great for you? The journey. I said to God, I said, Lord, I understand that everybody has to have their own journey. I understand we all have to walk out our journey. But God says sometimes the journey is too great. Sometimes we do not uh, put enough within us for us to be able to make the journey. But God knows when the journey is too great for us. Sometimes that come one battle after another, battle after another, battle. Anybody been in battles like that? And one right after another seems like something is always happening. But he says now, I want you to arise and eat. He says, and the reason why, he says, the journey. God says, the path, the journey that he has for you is too great. So we can, oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. We cannot have a mediocre diet. You just, you can't. For me, I can't do cornflakes. And the reason why, it, it does not hold. Huh. I've got to have something that's going to stick. I've, I've got to have some, some, some grits and some, some bacon and some eggs and sauce and all that good stuff. I've got to have something that's going to carry me through. Now, when it comes down to cereal, hey, it might be 30 minutes and I'm hungry again. So, so you've got to have the right diet. 
So he said, you got to rise up and you got to eat. He said, the journey, I don't know who I am speaking to, but I do know the Lord said, where he is about to take you is a mighty great journey. It's powerful. One, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. One that is threatening to the kingdom of God. He's a threat to the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. He says, now, listen, you've got to continue to eat. You've got to have the right diet. This journey is too great. I don't know how many people God intends for you to lead to Christ. But every time you lead somebody to Christ, you can expect Satan to show up. Because he had just lost a soldier in his army. You've got a great journey ahead of you. And he said, you've got to rise and you've got to rise up and eat. He said, you've got to get up. Don't worry about what happened. Don't even worry about what might happen. God said, arise. He said, I need you to eat. God said, I need his children to eat. He said, I need you to eat. Now watch this. He tells him now, the journey is too great. Look at verse, look at verse number eight. Verse eight says, and he arose, obedience. But watch this. Verse 8, 1 Kings 19. He says, and he arose and he did eat and drink and went in that strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Harb, the mount of God. He, the, the, the spirit of food he was able to receive, he was able to go through the test time. See, the, the number 40 means to, be, to test. It's testing. So he was able to go through that by what he was able to take in from that diet that God had given him. See, when you go through your trials and your tribulations, you've got to have the the word of God in you so you can be able to overcome the obstacles that you're going to be facing. But watch this. He he went there. He's, He's headed now for the mountain of God. This is where he's headed. But watch what happens in verse number nine. At the very moment, we think we got it going on. Verse number 9 says, And he came thither unto a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? On his way to the mountain of God, he ends up in a, at a cave. Now, you think about it. A cave is nothing except a dark place. So here he is on his way to to the mountain of God, to that high place in God, and he's right back in that place of depression. A cave is a dark place. He ends up back in the cave, and God said, wait a minute. Elijah, what you doing here? God is saying to us, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this place? I didn't call you to, to go into a place of depression. Depression is, 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 is a spirit. He said, I didn't call you. God said, what are you doing here? And he calls him by his name. What are you doing here? What are you doing in this place, in this condition? He said, I did not call you here. He said, what are you doing here? Watch, watch his response. Watch, watch. And it's the same thing as we do today. See, you got to understand now, one thing about Elijah, prior to them having the, the battle on Mount Carmel, he had prayed for it not to rain for three and a half years. 
Now, you've got to understand now, this is a mortal man just like you and I. The book of James tells us we've got the same passion as Elijah has, that we can pray and, and, and God will hear our prayers because, see, we, I hear you. We, we live under an open heaven. We live under an open heaven. The, the Word of God says this. He says, uh, um, let his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in heaven, there's no poverty. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no death. So he says, now, let, your, let his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We have the power because we have, oh, I hear you. We've been seated in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. We're seated in heavenly places so we can call down the things from heaven right here on earth. We have that power. We live up under an open heaven. And Satan makes us think that, okay, that's back then. That's in those days. No, no, no. We sent out a prayer request this week, last week. And we prayed, we asked God to let it rain. Send it out. Let it rain. It had been 24 days, no rain. And we prayed. It was flooding everywhere else, but not here. We sent that prayer out and said, we pray. Let's pray for rain. Well, we thought rain was going to come one day. You know, two days, you know. But by George God said, I'm going to let it rain all week long. I'm going to saturate the earth. See, we have, we're living on the open heaven. We can call those things down from heaven. We, we, we speak. We speak that word. You know. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. Once we speak it and we came in agreement and God began to send rain, that's when people begin to say, well, you know, it's, all is, no, no. As I said to the gentleman yesterday when he began to complain about the rain, I said, brother, I'm going to tell you something. I'm sorry, but I prayed for this. I said, I prayed for this one. So I'm not going to complain about what I prayed for. Amen. I prayed for rain. We needed the rain. Not only did we need the rain, but the earth needed the rain so it can begin to produce. Amen. Because people have gardens, you know. Farmers are relying on the rain. So we pray. When we pray, not only for us around here, but it's for all over the world. All those places that are drought. We pray. So do not pray. Do not complain. I hear you, Holy Spirit. Do not complain when God answers your prayer. Amen. He may not answer it the way you want it to be answered. Amen. But he's still answering. Amen. He's still answering. So now, he says now, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And see, after he prayed and, and Ahab, Ahab was still in the picture. He, he, he prayed and he told him, he said, listen, it won't be no rain for three and a half years. Can you imagine operating in that kind of power? That's power. And the believer has that kind of power. He prayed. He said, it won't be no more rain. He said, my word is what Elijah said. And it did not rain for three and a half years. And then God opted his Holy Spirit, prompted him in the spirit, and tell him, so you go tell him now to get down. Say, it's going to rain. Then all of a sudden it rains. Abundance of rain. And I was like, okay, God, help me to understand, to know the fact that I have, I thank you for the word, access to the open heaven. Every believer needs to know we have access to the open heaven. But we have to be careful that when we win our battle, we do not allow Satan to send us into a cave, into a dark place. And that's what happened. You know, when things happen in your life, you know, he's like, why did this happen? 
And all of a sudden, we're in a, we're in a cave. We're having a pity party. You know, the, the smile that we used to have that radiate, that changes uh, 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 the, uh, uh, the atmosphere in the house, then, then that smile is no longer there because of situations and circumstances. But God said, listen, come out of that cave. He said, come out of that cave. He said, you don't belong there. Now, watch what he says now in, in verse number 10. Verse number 10 says, this is, this is how he replies, Elijah, the spirit of Elijah says. And he said, I have been very jealous, 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 jealous for the Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel has forsaken the covenant, thrown down thine altar, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Let me tell us something. Let us school ourselves. We are not the only one that's left that's praising God. God has people everywhere. First thing he says to God, well, God, I'm the only one that's left. You know, they've broken the covenant. They're not trying to live for you. God has a remnant in this earth. He has sleeping giants that's awakening even as we speak. And there is a remnant. I mean, Satan is not going to win. God has a remnant. And we, and we do have the winning hand. Amen. See, you, you get to identify yourself as one of those sleeping giants that you, you, you awaken, you, you, you come to the point, okay, to the knowledge and understanding. That's why Paul was telling them to be enlightened with spiritual wisdom and revelation. That's what Paul says now. So he says to him, he says, I'm the only one left. You know, have you ever felt like sometime on your job, you know, I've really tried to live for the Lord. I've tried to do this and do this. And it seemed like nobody else is trying to do anything. I'm the only one. God said, no, you are not the only one. He said, don't fool yourself. There are so many people out there that are serving God that we don't even know about. They're serving God. He said, you're not the only one left. He said, Give, do away with that depressed spirit of Elijah. He said, because God has many people that are still serving him. Even though the, the world is going to hell and, 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 and what, handbag, as they say, God still got people, believers, that are still ruling and believing that God is still on the throne. He still have that. They, they, are, they are still there. And then he says this. Watch verse number 11. And he said, now God's speaking to Elijah. Now he's getting ready to call him out of that cave. <laughs> he's getting ready to call him out of that place of depression. You know, he's getting ready to call him out of that, 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 that place, that pity party. He's getting ready to call him out of that place. Now, verse 11, now God gives him instruction. He said, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. His first instruction was, you go stand before me. I need to talk to you, boy. I don't know how, how God talks to y'all, but sometimes he just sits me down like I'm a little child. He's saying, I need to talk to you. You need to hear what I got to say. So he, he tells him now. He said, now, first of all, I need you to come, come, come up front, you know, come to the front of the class. I need to have a conversation with you. Now, once he has a conversation with him, he says this. He said, you go forth, and he stand on upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But look at this. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
But the Lord was not in the wind. It's not that he cannot be in the wind because in the book of Nahum, it says that he rides on the, on the storms. So he can be in the wind. He is the wind. He is that. But at this time, God don't always speak the same way. That's what he's trying to say. God does not always speak the same way. He releases the wind. But you would think, oh, my God, the hurricanes and the tornadoes, God is speaking. Sometimes he's not really speaking. And there's another voice that he's waiting for. Because, see, a lot of times there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of confusion. And, and in the midst of confusion and chaos, we cannot hear the voice of God. All right. And then he says this. Watch what he says next. Now, after the wind comes, he says, after the wind, still in verse 11, he says, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. In other words, God, he, he allowed, they were saying the other day that California had had a whole lot of many earthquakes, a lot of you know, many earthquakes, that eventually it was going to get to a much bigger earthquake. See, when, 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 th- when earthquakes happen, things begin to shake. I mean, it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's, 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 it's fearful. And I'm quite sure that Elijah at that point, he was afraid. But God says he was not in that earth. That, that big thing that, that's been happening into your life, that, you know, you just, oh, wow, that's God. God said, hold up. My, I, I did it, but my voice wasn't in it because there's something else I need you to hear. Watch this. Watch God. Watch God. He says, the Lord was not in the earthquake. That's 11. Verse 12 says, and after the earthquake, he says, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a small, still voice. See, God is a consuming fire. But God says, he says, when he set that fire, really what's happening when God do great big things, he's literally trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. And the reason why he's trying to get our attention, because he wants us to hear that small, still voice. Remember the voice? He wants us to hear his voice. See, that's a different voice speaking now. He, he, even though he sends all these things, all of a sudden, there's a small, still voice. We don't like to sit still. We, we don't like to sit in the presence of God. We don't like stillness. We got to have some noise. You know how it is you you're home alone and still sitting still in the presence of God. We got to turn TV on. Got to turn the radio on. You get in the car, you got to flip on the radio. You got to put your CD in. You know, you understand that? All that noise, noise, noise. 